Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Jeff. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast. It is a somber greeting today. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure this isn't new news to most of you guys at this point, but Mike Taglier of Fantasy Pros passed away on this past Friday from COVID. The entire fantasy industry was definitely rocked by that information you can definitely see by the outpouring of condolences and the numerous stories and anecdotes that were put out on social media over the weekend just how much he touched all of our daily lives in this world of fantasy so we definitely want to send our condolences to the fantasy pros family as well as the actual family of mr mike tagley air shout out to those guys keep your head up keep going that's exactly what mike would want with all of that being said we are still going to put on the show we got a job to do in true tags fashion we're definitely going to put all of our effort into it so with that being said we have a great show set up for you today bonjour to my good people out there in the uk olo como esta to my people out in mexico Uden tag to my people out in Germany. Good day, mate, to my people out in Australia. Good day, A, to my Canadians. Domo arigato to my Japanese followers. And what's popping to my people right here at home? You got the fantasy football feed himself, Zay. I got my boy Vander on with me. Holler at the people, Vandy. What it do to my people in Detroit? What's going on with fantasy football fiends? I got my man Joe on the line. Holler at the people, let's Joe. Go, let's go, let's go. All right, so we got a little bit of everything today. As per usual, we're going to start you out with the news. And now your fantasy news. All right, so in your fantasy news, first things first, CMC, Mr. Christian McCaffrey, will not be going to IR which means that they feel he will be back in the game within about a two-week time span. Now with the new IR rules, you can put a player on IR for as little as three weeks. For the shorter length, as far as IR is concerned, that's definitely great news for the CMC owners out there. Also, for you guys that may want to take a stab at you know what may happen a little bit later on into the future, you may actually want to go ahead and try to trade for him, You know, bite the bullet, if you will, for a couple of weeks until he's back, and we hope that he comes back and he's and he's his regular self for the rest of the year but are are you telling our listeners who are cmc owners to try to go ahead and, and maximize what you can get because you don't know what he might come back as what, what's your current advice for the cmc owners if you're a cmac uh, owner you definitely hold this guy you should be able to to stomach two weeks maybe even three weeks hopefully you got hubbard as the handcuff 
If not, hopefully you have a, a good backup that can hold it down for two or three weeks. But I'm, I'm definitely not selling this guy at all. I'm in the same boat. Just finding out there was a grade one. At least we know two weeks and that's it. You know, so I'm, I would definitely hold. But it all depends on what you can get at the same time. If you're in a league where you might need to upgrade the quarterback position or wide receiver, people are going to think they're getting a better end of the deal in some cases. So I would definitely hold. But it all depends on what's, what's being presented to you. We got AJ. Brown is currently week to week with a hamstring injury. Um, I know he was one of the top wide receivers that a lot of people were going after this year. Um, what's your current advice for the AJ Brown owners? Um, we don't really have as much of an update as far as his hamstring injury, uh, but he is currently week to week, which is worse than day to day. So what do we got going there? Now, to, now this one can get pretty tricky. Like you said, we don't have much info on it. I mean, the guy, I think he came out in street clothes like right away. So <laughs> definitely not a good sign. Uh, man, if you're Julio Jones owner, Hey, this this may be time. He maybe he's the lead dog now. Maybe he get a lot more of the, the targets over there in Tennessee. But now AJ Brown, I may sell him for sure. Yeah, I I think his injury is going to be on the heavier side. He already had two knee surgeries in the off season and, and going into camp. I, I agree with Van. Like if you if you can find something adequate value, I would definitely sell on him. Uh, but just already knowing he's already had knee troubles already, uh, stemming from last year into the off season. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna try to sell that. We have James White that has a hip injury. It's the same type of hip injury that Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick, suffered. So if the timeline is anywhere in the same vicinity, uh, we're looking at several weeks, um, possibly a couple of months, if not longer. And I can only imagine that for a running back, that hip is that much more important. At least for a, a quarterback, you can attempt to not run and still get your job done. James White, again, hip injury. This is by default starting to clear up the Patriots running back situation. Bill Belichick might have to get out of his feelings. That's You don't have a choice. Ramondre Stevenson should definitely be the RB2 at this point with the Patriots. I'm hoping that uh, Bill Belichick doesn't go the same route that he went with uh, Butler in the Super Bowl and put an inferior player in on purpose just because that's what he wants to do. Uh, we shall see, but I do believe that Ramondre Stevenson should be the number two running back on the depth chart. Um, in my opinion, he's a better running back than J.J. Taylor, who was behind him on the depth chart until he fumbled the ball. In the same game that Harris also fumbled the ball, so I don't know why one is off the depth chart pretty much and then the other is still atop of it, but that's just something to monitor as far as that running back situation is concerned. Juju, who is day-to-day -day with ribs, we'll see how that goes. Those rib injuries can be kind of tricky. Um, did you guys see this injury happen? Uh, me personally, I didn't see the injury. I seen the news, but if this ain't his day-to-day, -day, then I'm, I'm sure he'd probably suit up on Sunday. With that one, I didn't see it per se. I was watching many games, but when I came back, I already saw Claypool already being uh, utilized in the game soon after. It can go as well as Tyrod Taylor, or we, it can go as far as good as D-Hop as far as those rib injuries because how they treat it and such. KJ Hamler uh, of the Denver Broncos, who is now out for the season, another blow to a Denver wide receiver. We'll talk a little bit about who that affects and how a little bit later on in the show. 
we had a trade go down this week. The Carolina Panthers traded their tight end, Dan Arnold, and I believe a late round pick for CJ Henderson, who was the cornerback with the Jaguars. So Carolina is kind of adding a little bit to that cornerback depth chart after their rookie pick horn ended up getting injured. This also will affect the wide receiving core. Arnold not being there should free up some targets. So who do we think that this may positively affect the most? I didn't look at Arnold as a real big deal in their offense, me personally. I know they had a need at the corner, but they probably could go sign one of those off the street. A couple guys that was trying out as of late veterans, pretty decent. DJ Moore would get more targets. Um, maybe more just more targets for the wide receivers in general. I don't really see it as a big deal losing Arnold. He's already kind of a pedestrian. And they had Ian Thomas already anyway, who in my opinion was already a better tight end. So. Right. It doesn't hinder Joe Brady's offense at all. I really just think it's the opportunity to get a top 10 prospect coming out of the NFL draft after losing Horn, which it might be a really bad injury. Hopefully we know by tomorrow. Dan Arnold is a subpar tight end to me, but I think it fits well to what Jacksonville needed. They haven't had a good tight end since Julius Thomas, though. We also have a Josh Gordon sighting and signing. Flash is signing with the Chiefs. Now, I know people get all hot and bothered when they hear the name Josh Gordon because they remember the 10 touchdown season from like five, six years ago. I really don't see this as being that much of a deal for fantasy. I think it's a huge deal for the Chiefs. Um, the only reason I say that is because currently their secondary receivers outside of Tariq Hill and Kelsey are subpar. Um, Hartman never kind of came to fruition. Uh, Robinson is decent sometimes, and then he pisses you off other times. So I, I think he'll be great to have in that offense uh, for the team itself. But as far as fantasy is concerned, I wouldn't go out and, and blow a waiver priority or think that you have a wide receiver that you're going to be able to count on or whatever the case is, even, even if he's going to the Chiefs. I mean, how steady has the Chiefs' number two receiver been in fantasy, even when that number two receiver was Sammy Watkins when, when he wasn't hurt? So I, I wouldn't necessarily run out and grab this guy. Well, um, I agree with you. This is a great football move, not so much a great fantasy move. But I disagree where, hey, if you got a roster spot on your team, go sign the guy and just hold him through the week. And maybe some knucklehead will come call and say, man, I want Josh Gordon. Okay, here you go. You know, just be the first one to him and just sell him. Don't hold him on your team. Just hold him for a week and see if the knucklehead in your league comes calling for him and sell him to him and get you a better player for free, pretty much. I can see grabbing him <laughs> for that purpose, right? but only if you're in a fab budget type situation. I wouldn't want to have a top raver priority and blow it on him. For sure. Well, you know, you got some leagues where so many days out of the week, there is no waiver priority. Right. It's just True. Free. True. Absolutely. Right. So if you in one of those type of leagues, man, you have a roster spot. I think if you've been playing fantasy football for a while, you kind of maybe know some of the guys in your league. So you'll know that guy who may That's come true. calling for him. So take it, <laughs> if you could take advantage, by all means, do it. But this is definitely not a fantasy move. I'm definitely a good football move for the Kansas City Chiefs, though. We're looking realistically at the timetable in which he'll be even in a shape to play. We're looking at week 10, maybe 11. Look at Le'Veon Bell, who was yet to even start taking reps on the team or even participating in a football game. So it's going to take him several weeks just to get conditioned and acclimated. Somebody's going to fall in love with the gym shorts and, you know, the practice jersey. And like I said, you just got to find that person in your, your league and trade them. I did want to kind of throw out a concept that you guys can kind of 
expound on in your own way. But the concept is fantasy erosion. What happens in some cases is you have these guys who have a decent draft or they may have had the first, second pick in the draft, whatever the case may be, and their team is either propped up by a player or two, or they have the feeling that, well, because I had a good draft, I should just be able to rest on my laurels and make it through the season, make it to the playoffs, win a fantasy championship. 99.9 times out of 100, that's not the way it goes down. We have a saying, never not working. And what we mean by never not working is whether it's the waiver wire, whether it's putting out feelers as far as uh, trades or trade partners, you always want to work. You always want to be looking for that incremental increase that can take you to the next level as far as fantasy is concerned. When you ask yourself, how good should my team be? The answer to that should be better. I don't care where you are, how good you think you are. A lot of people that thought they had their league in the bag, CMC is about to give you or not having CMC, if you're not properly prepared, may give you a couple of L's. And maybe when he comes back in that third or fourth week, whatever the case may be, maybe they don't rush him back to his full workload. Or for all we know, maybe he never goes back to the same workload, which was the heaviest workload of any running back in the NFL. They wouldn't be very smart to take him back to that workload level. So you always have to continuously improve your situation versus allowing erosion to take place where you may have had the best team, but other teams are getting better because they're making moves. Um, they're reading the tea leaves, etc. And you're just continuously saying, well, I have a good team and we'll make it through. That's not the mindset that you want to have. A lot of fantasy players may say, well, oh, I don't like to trade. I don't like to make moves, etc." That is the lifeblood of ensuring that your team remains top notch. You got to make sure that you continuously upgrade and improve. Never not working. Don't allow your good team not to become great because you just decided to sit back and watch and wait and see. Guys, what you got on Fantasy Erosion? Now you can always have these guys in your league. Draft day, they're going to draft their team and their team's going to look the exact same when it's all said and done. And 90% of the time, those teams are not successful. And you definitely don't want to be that guy. Like you said before, you always want to keep working, always keep your eyes open. I mean, it depends. I mean, if you want to win your league, or if you're just doing it for the because the supervisor's got one going at the job, and right, whatever, <laughs> you know. But if you're real competitive and you want to win your league, you definitely want to pay attention, you know, waivers and trade. I mean, just the whole nine, you know what I'm saying? So don't be the guy that draft the team and keep the same team all year long. You're not getting away with that. I agree totally. Yeah, I think that's a it's a really good topic, and I'm glad we can introduce that because a lot of the times people forget the importance of waivers. You know, a lot of people follow the trends and they're a moment too late because they're not keeping up with the news, they're not keeping informed with what's going on with injuries, and that also plays a part of trades as well too. You you always want to keep well find the opportunity to move on to a player like. An example, Josh Jacobs. Like, I'm not, you know, I love Josh Jacobs. I drafted him, but I'm like, hey, Mike Evans just had two bad weeks. Let me package something and let me get Mike Evans. Cause I already know Josh uh, Jacobs won't deal with this the rest of the year. Like, you got to think about the future of your team. And then, too, strengthen your positions by, you know, straightening away. You might have to trade a wide receiver to get the running back, but then come back and get an adequate receiver to the one you initially traded away, but you're building a team. So, it is important to like follow the fundamentals, especially if you keep watching the show, we're going to give you all the information you already need. So I definitely agree with that. And with that being said, the last bit of news, and I saved this because of the fantasy erosion topic in a way that you might be able to kind of project or forecast, if you will. 
I saw some news today from uh, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk indicating that Houston is softening extents on what they want for Watson. I also saw that the Miami owner is about at the point of telling the GM, get your head out of your ass and go get the guy that I told you to get. I don't care what they want for him. So with both of those things taking place at the same time, if you're not set at quarterback and there's a possibility that a guy that would have gone in the first several rounds is now going to be available to you for free. And all it's going to cost you is a bench spot to wait and see. Because one thing that we do know, we do know for certain when the trade deadline is for the NFL. And if Watson has not been traded by the trade deadline, we also know that you can go ahead and drop him because he won't be playing for Houston. So if you're in, again, position to do so, I would grab Watson, hold him until he's traded or hold him until the trade deadline. And unless you really, really need that tail end of the bench spot for another position, maybe you have a short bench. Some benches are only four or five spots. That's a little bit different. But outside of that, I would definitely go grab this guy, throw him on the tail end of my bench. In worst case scenario, he's just another guy that you ended up dropping for someone else on the waiver here in a few weeks, which is what would have happened with the guy that's on the tail end of your bench anyway. That's just a little bit of prognostication on my part. I am not in any way, shape, form, or fashion saying that it is likely to happen. But what I am saying is if it does happen and you didn't get them for free when you had the chance, you're going to be kicking yourself in the ass. Uh, If you're in a league with a shorter bench, maybe a lot riskier. But for those are in leagues with an IR spot, man, this is pretty much gold for you. I mean, he carries a, a NA tag on him. In a lot of leagues, you could put them in the, the IR spot on your on your team. So definitely, if you are in a league that has an IR spot, I would definitely use an IR spot for this guy. But I don't, I'm not sure if I would just let him sit on my roster per se until I really get some uh, some real news in. Because everything right now is just speculation. The only issue with that is when the real news come, unless you have the first priority or unless you're willing to spend all of your fat budget, maybe too late. It's gonna cost you at that point. So but- I'm cheap. I, I, I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather get them for free and see what happens if I can in any given league versus having, let's say, for instance, in the league that we're in, I dropped Brian Edwards for him. No, no, There's, no, 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 no. Let's tell the people which, who you really dropped for him. That's who I dropped for him. You dropped A.J. Dillon for him, sir. I dropped A.J. Dillon and I dropped Brian Edwards, but I didn't drop A.J. Dillon specifically for him, though. Uh, You did. I Trust didn't. me. I'm looking at it. It don't matter what the screens say. If I was going to drop both, it didn't really matter which one I paired it up with. And what I'm saying is I wouldn't have dropped A.J. Dillon unless it was someone that was going to be filling the need. I dropped A.J. Dillon, honestly, for Higby because Kittle is about to have a bye week, week six. And Higby was by far the best tight end that was currently available. And so versus waiting until the week before and somebody trying to block me, I figured I'd go ahead and get him a couple weeks in advance. And then it's a possibility that I might actually even be able to trade him after um, week six if I feel good about Kittle's situation and his health and all that kind of good stuff. So yes, by what the transaction log indicates it was a Dylan for Watson and right. Brian so, Edwards for so, right. um so for, in a court um, of law you'll be guilty. No, not really. Yeah, because I have the paperwork. No, not really. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I, I hear you, but <laughs> no, I don't I, feel you. You I don't mean, have to feel me. I have the paper to prove. I mean, I, mean, I, I hear you, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just letting you know the hey. insights into the end. Put okay. it like this. 
if I was only picking up Watson and not Higby, I would have kept Dylan and I would have only gotten rid of Edwards. And, mm. and it's for a reason that we've discussed previously. It's a whole lot easier to find a wide receiver out in the trash heap that you don't have to pay for, but it's good enough to have on your team than it is to find a running back. So that was that would have been the reason that I would have kept Dylan if it came down to that. But but, but buyer but beware also. How long would it take this guy to get on the team, get acclimated, get back in shape, learn to, one I, week? I, you, no, no. Yes, no, one week. I don't think it'd be yeah. one week. One week. I, I'm he, not, I'm he never he he never stopped training. It, it's not it's not like he got to get into shape. Just and like, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll take 70% of Watson over 110% listen, of Tua all day, every day. So listen, I mean, just like Joe just said about Josh Gordon and also Le'Veon nah, Bell. Listen, can I finish, please? Guys like Le'Veon Bell and Josh Gordon are workout warriors. These guys are in shape year round. And even those guys had to wait to get in the game and get acclimated. So you think Watson will just come off the couch and just jump? As the starter for the Miami Dolphins in week one? Yep. I don't believe sure that. Sure do. That I also think that because you see it all the time. A backup quarterback doesn't come in and say, well, I can't pay backup quarterback because I haven't played. Nah, that ain't the way that's going to work. If I need you in the you, game, you're going to be in the game. Listen, Zay, you it's can't compare. Other positions. You're comparing a backup quarterback who actually practices to a guy who hasn't played since when. It's not the same. Where quarterbacks can play a lot quicker than skill positions, i.e. wide receivers and running backs. It all depends on also the offense. Like if the verbiage from such and such playbook is the same as such and such playbook, he'll be able to assimilate that, you know, everything and learn and grasp it a lot quicker. But if he's learning a whole new playbook, I would think it would at least take him or at least two weeks. You know what I mean? To kind of throw the ball. That's all you need. (laughs) You can get a guy for free that you know is a stud quarterback. And guess what? If he don't know the playbook, what is he more likely to do? Run the damn ball. What do you get more points for in fantasy football? Throwing or running? Running the damn ball. So you can't tell me that whatever team, if they go out and get Watson, that they're not going to utilize his skill set the very first opportunity that they have. And again, you're getting a stud for free. The trade deadline for the NFL is week eight, which would mean that would be the latest possible time that they can get that trade off. The first week of fantasy playoffs isn't until week 14 or 15. 15 if you moved it up a week due to there being an extra week in real NFL football. So if his worst case scenario, if he gets traded again, is week eight and my playoffs don't start to week 15, he can still sit right on the same bitch that he's been sitting on until he becomes acclimated if I have a better option. But I'm sorry, you can't tell me that not having Watson is better than having Watson. I don't care how long it takes him to get acclimated or what team he go to. That's just me. I know you won't be ready week one. That's what I'm saying. You're going to be real, real happy. I don't care if he sit there for two weeks that you got him for free when you could. So I'm going ask you a question, right? Let's say if he has a, you have an owner in a one quarterback league. Mm-hmm. He has like a Justin Herbert. Okay. Do you? So what is this guy supposed to do? Is he supposed to sit Justin Herbert for Deshaun Watson now? No, but he can definitely go ahead and trade Deshaun Watson because I can guarantee you this. The people that don't have a Justin Herbert, the people that have, let's say, a Big Ben or the people that have, let's say, a Jared Goff or a even a Ryan Tannehill. They're going to be more than happy to do business with you, even if they have to sit on the bitch for a week or two. That Baker Mayfield owner, that I mean, it's several quarterbacks. Hell, it's about half the quarterbacks in the league that people will be happy to do business with you once they find out that he's actually going to play. So it doesn't matter if you have a great quarterback 
Or if you have a, a so-so quarterback and he would take over for who you're currently starting, in my humble opinion, again, you're better off having them than not having them. So th- that's just the way that I'm looking at it. And, and, it, and it's not going to cost you very much at all. Now, if you have a short bench, and I know we've said this several times, but I do want to nail home this point. If you have a short bench, then no, you don't want to utilize that bench spot for someone that's just literally probably going to sit there in a wait and see mode for several weeks. Normally, when you hear one side say, hey, I really, really want this guy. And then you hear from a reputable source, the other side saying, hey, we might be willing to sell them a little bit cheaper. And they were almost willing to pull the trigger at the high ass price that you gave them before. If that price comes down just a little bit, coupled with the fact that Tua is hurt yet again, I mean, if I'm if I'm Miami, all you need is Watson. What's the point of having five lottery tickets when you can just go to the bank and get the money for free? Like, I don't have to worry about whether this ticket is going to come to fruition. I would happily trade in five lottery tickets for a known winner. But again, that's just me. Gotcha. I dig it. We're going to get into a new segment. Legit or quick? All right. Legit or quick? This segment is going to bring up something that's currently going on in the fantasy world or in the real NFL world. And we're going to give you our opinions on whether or not it's legit and it should continue to go that way or even increase or if it's likely to quit sooner than later. First up, we had the Pittsburgh Steelers go against the Cincinnati Bengals this weekend. Cincinnati ended up beating Pittsburgh 24 to 10. So the first legit or quit is, is Pittsburgh's offense slash quarterback really this bad or is this a blip on the radar and it's going to and it's not going to continue going forward? I really think they're that bad. Mm. Um, Najee Harris hasn't really been what people thought he was going to be. And it's crazy, right? He got 19 targets yesterday. 19 targets. That's a lot of targets. Out of the backfield. <laughs> That's a whole lot of time. If that doesn't scream something's wrong, something is wrong. That screams uh, Big Ben's arm ain't, ain't quite yeah, right. He's definitely a shell of himself. Um, he hasn't been vertical, pushing the ball downfield, you know, just being a normal Big Ben before the injury. Mm-hmm. And now he actually has the pec injury. And I, I just think I think we're seeing the, the, the last of Big Ben. This is the last. And I hate for him to go out like this. Right. But this is his last year. Why haven't they called Cam Newton in yet? I mean, like, he's the best guy that don't have a job right now, and they're kind of similar. You got to know he's better than Mason Rudolph, and he damn sure better than Dwayne Haskins. I mean, I I don't know, man. The the Steelers might be looking at this the wrong way. I don't know. I always thought Cam fit the Pittsburgh uh, way of life. I thought he was just ideal for the situation. But also with everything going on, the vaccination, all these different things. That's true, too. I think That's that plays a, a major part in Cam Newton landing a job. So I, I think that's the, the the reason why they haven't called him in, honestly. Now, Joe, the other side of this thing is, is Cincinnati actually this good? And I'm talking about from the uh, offensive perspective for the most part. Well, actually, even defense, because the whole Pittsburgh, to, you know, 10 points, you know, may, maybe we're kind of um, not giving the, the defense their props, but. Like, do you think that Cincinnati can continue on this trend? Is it legit or is it more likely to quit? Well, both of them, are, they got to quit. I, I'll explain why. Defense, I feel like for every reason Vander just alluded to, oh, that game was all Big Ben. If Big Ben of old or he had any type of arm, they would have won that game, clearly. As far as the offense, I feel like their offense is a little too 
it's not as exotic as I would thought it would have been when they hired the uh, head coach onto the team. I was just expecting them to attriculate the ball a lot more and utilize Mixon to his full capability. Jamar Chase, the plus, that connection with Burrow is great. Obviously, when Higgins get back, that's going to be great. But can they win against a powerhouse? Like, I don't think they can go against the Chargers. No way. You know what I mean? You so think I they think can take um, Baltimore, the division rival? Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. And what about Jamar Chase? Um, this is his third game, I believe, that he just played. Mm -hmm. uh, but he has either four or five touchdowns. He got one touchdown in each of the first two games. And I want to say he got two touchdowns yesterday. So maybe he's at four right now. Is this legit? Um, is, is he what was touted coming out of college that, uh, you know, even though he had a horrible preseason, people kind of judge uh, a little too quickly? Or is this likely to quit? Oh, Jamar Chase is real. People take honesty how they want to see it. Like when he was talking about, oh man, the the football doesn't have, it's not how the college football is. He was being honest. I don't think he was ever talking against his skill set. People just took his drops and just ran with that narrative. But many great wide receivers didn't all catch the ball tremendously well at the beginning of their career. And it's one of the harder positions to acclimate and, and ascend to an elite level. What he has going for him is that connection with Burrow, but also too, how he gets to his separation at the stem of his routes, which is at the top of his routes. Um, that is something that's unique and you can't teach that level of separation that far into the route. We had Miami Dolphins go up against the Las Vegas Raiders. That game ended up being a win for the Raiders, 31 to 28. I don't know if you guys saw this game or not, but that game was awesome. I mean, it went back and forth the entire time. It's right now, the Las Vegas Raiders, they're 3-0, and and they've beaten three teams that had 10-plus wins last year. So I don't really have much of a question about Miami. The Raiders... Are they this good, or is it a circumstance so far to be 3-0 and and again beating three teams that had 10-plus wins last year? It has the bowl pretty well for them, and I don't even think their offense is as fluid as, as it's going to be. They're still working rugs and Edwards um, into the offense once Carr becomes as comfortable with them as he is with Renfro. And then obviously Waller is who he is. This offense can really take off. And not to mention the fact that they that they they've either had a hurt Josh Jacobs or Josh Jacobs not in the game at all. So I think the arrow's pointing up. This this they may actually be legit this year. What do you guys think? Um, I think John Gruden just has a rabbit foot in his pocket. <laughs> I don't see that. this is a good team, don't get me wrong. I think they're viable. I don't really see the arrow pointing up. I think they just, you know, winning by circumstances right now. They played a Dolphins team that was, they won only by three in overtime to a backup. They beat a bad Steelers team last week. And then the week before that, they won against the Ravens in OT again. So I'm not taking anything away from the Raiders. I like the team. They're pretty cool. But this You mean is the a, team that beat Kansas City? When did they play Kansas City? Didn't you say they beat Baltimore? Yeah. And Baltimore beat Kansas City, right? It's a game of matchups. We all know that. I know, but I'm just saying, like, I mean, to, to say that Baltimore wasn't a, a, a legitimate win. They beat them in OT, and, and if you've seen that Kansas City game, Kansas City really lost that game themselves. Like, it's a lot of things that they did could have did better to win that game. This is true. This is true. So, I just think, and I'm not taking anything away from the Dolphins, but they have some, uh, they have a, a really decent schedule this year. If you look they at the schedule. They do. They really do. You know what I mean? The toughest teams they play this year is Kansas City and the Browns. And then the Chargers, which are teams are in a division. So other than that, the out-of-schedule teams are pretty pretty easy. So I think they're going to be good going into the playoffs. 
I, I definitely see that I can see them making the playoffs. So don't get me wrong here. Your grandpa, I know he's a Raiders fan. He's not going to Super Bowl this year. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I think honestly that they're they're legit. To Vanna's point, I do think their schedule does lend to them being able to be really successful. And just like you said too, Zay, their their offense is only getting better, and they're without Jacobs. You know what I mean? And Brandon, they're they're still putting this together with utilizing Rugs and Brian uh, Brian Edwards. And let's not forget Hunter Renfro. You know, which me and Vander talked about uh, the, the Jordy Nelson comparison, you know, off the air. Like, their offense is going to keep up in a shootout, my personal opinion. And their defense, they're, remind, they're reminiscent of the Patriots, where it's just like they'll give up a lot of yards, but they're stifling with allowing people to score as of late. Yeah, their defense has been much improved. They spent a good bit of money on defensive players in the offseason. It's definitely showing. The next game we have is the Denver versus the Jets game. That game ended up being a 26-0 to zero game Denver's way. Bridgewater is doing exactly what they hired him to do, which is not making mistakes and getting the ball out on time. And that seems to be the, the perfect recipe, if you will, for Denver right now. So do we think that Bridgewater is legit or is it likely to quit? Both. Okay. Bridgewater is definitely legit because Bridgewater, you know what he brings to the table. He's a quarterback that's going to – he can win you 10 games a year. He's not going to win you anything other than that. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's like the ultimate game manager. But the reason why I say he's legit, yeah, but then the other side of it is because he's not going to be able to take the next step. He's not going to win you any ball games. He may not lose you any ball games, but he's not going to win you any ball games. This is the type of quarterback that has to be on an elite defense in order to make that next push. Mm, okay. A la uh, Alex Smith, a la Trent Dilfer, a la Troy Aikman. Guys who've been not really good quarterbacks, and Troy Aikman's a Hall of Famer, but he wasn't good. I mean, he can just hold it in the road. That's he, basically what it right, boils down to. Right. So if you can get a guy that he can hold in the road and not lose the game for you, if you get down, Bridgewater's not bringing you back against the Chiefs. It's not going to happen. But if he get on a team with a, a very elite defense, you know, he'll take you there. So it's a little bit of both of him. I think Bridgewater is very legit. And again, I just got to go back to what you said, Alex Smith. Believe it or not, Alex Smith had brought the uh, Chiefs uh, in a lot of situations down in fourth quarter situations. And I see the same thing with Bridgewater. And also what bodes well for me is Von Miller. Like Von, I don't know if you guys heard the clip up of Von Miller giving him praises, like saying like, man, that's what we needed, that pep talk. Like, you know what I mean? Like his pedigree is of a game manager, but he also has the demeanor to spread the ball. And he was only missing the defense because look at Carolina I don't think he was he had to try to force the ball a lot more because his defense wasn't for crap he's coming into a place with the top 10 defense with a plethora of weapons he has too many weapons galore I mean now he's missing Hamlin I love I love it for him. I think he's going to continuously do this I think he has too many weapons for him to not be successful and they got they built the offensive line for him that's impeccable and a follow-up to that you just mentioned KJ Hamler he's going to be out for the year there's still a few weeks for Jerry Judy to return Tim Patrick does not drop passes if you get the ball to him he will catch the ball do we feel that based on the injuries that are currently going on uh, with Den- Denver also knowing that Fent is never a game away from an injury do we think that Tim Patrick may actually be legit this year 
or it's just going to be you'll get your looks until Jerry Judy comes back and then your involvement in the offense is likely to quit. So with Tim Patrick in particular, are we looking legit or is it likely to quit? Everything you just said, he's legit until Judy comes back. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what more can I say? I mean, is he's the man by circumstance. I mean, you got Judy out, you got now Hamler out and he fits. I mean, Tim Patrick's skill set fits Bridgewater's skill set. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? so don't, get me, don't get me wrong here, but that's only until Judy comes back. So definitely ride the wave, you know, moving forward. He should get a see. I think Sutton going to get a ton more targets and even Fant. So it's probably going to be spreading out. You know, Bridgewater's, like you said, the type of guy that spreads it around. Whoever Not, open, that's who he's Right. Open. But now it's going to get a little smaller. So it's only going to be spread around to three or four guys now. Maybe not six or seven guys, but now like three or four guys. Yeah, look at Gordon. He had like eight catches last week. Crazy. He almost 100 yards receiving. Now, with that being said, let's look at the other side of the ball. Are the Jets actually this bad, or 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 did they just get get kind of caught in a buzzsaw between uh, Bill Belichick and Vic Fangio? Which before both of those games, I already told you what to expect. I already told you both of those coaches <laughs> they make life miserable for rookies. So I hope you in some type of way either avoided or took advantage. But we definitely told you that you didn't want to play Wilson in these last two weeks. But do we think that the Jets' offense may be able to get better week over week, or is this a personnel thing and until this time next year when they fill a few holes they really aren't going to get much better it's definitely a personnel thing i mean usually a rookie's best friend is either a tight end or a good run game and they don't they have don't a have good either. running game at all uh, who is their tight end they don't have either i don't think they have a running game or a tight end right now i don't know is it tim tebow i don't know um <laughs> but they, they have no run game at all and when defenses know that, I mean, what you think is going to happen? This guy's going to see the most exotic packages he ever seen. <laughs> I mean, this is the NFL, you know what I mean? So week to week, they're coming. And, and the next team has already watched the Fangio tape, and that team already watched the Billy tape, and they're going to just be sending all kind of guys at them. So with no run game, I mean, it, it's – it's just what you're going to get in this league. And when you're oh, talking yeah. about DFS or if you're talking about defense streamers, if you can get whatever team is going to be going up against the Jets, it will behoove you to do so. Because in all likelihood, your worst case scenario is even if they don't get any turnovers, any pick sixes or anything like that, in all likelihood, the Jets aren't going to put up very many points just by themselves. So that may be something that you might want to follow as far as DFS um, is concerned. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Los Angeles Rams, which was the game of the week. Rams ended up winning by 10 points, 34 to 24. So as it pertains to these particular teams, you guys know that the Rams were my Super Bowl pick based on what they were able to do to Tampa Bay, who was most people's, I would say, number one in the power ranking as far as the team that should be successful this year. Based on what they were able to do to that team, do we think that the Rams are the legit team to beat now in the NFL? Or this was just one of those, hey, you got us before, it's our turn to get you now type of situations. How do we think that is going to work out as far as the Rams team in general? Are they legit or is it likely to quit? I mean, of course, the Rams are definitely legit. Definitely legit. I mean, you got the best football player in the league on defense, Aaron Donald on the line. And on the next level, the level on the back end, you got probably the best corner in the league. So they have a pretty good defense. Absolutely. Matthew Stafford is making McVay's having a – man, he, he look like he a, a frat boy out there. 
You know what I'm saying? He's having a blast. Having a ball. You, you, know, you know how you draw something up and you and it just comes to perfection. You like, mm-hmm. this is how I drew it up. It's supposed to. I mean, this guy was in the tunnel. I never see a coach run to the tunnel to celebrate with a player before any other players made it down there. He said he's and the, ready. And the crazy thing about <laughs> that game, Deshaun Jackson had him beat two more times. Yep. I mean, Deshaun should have had like 260, 70 yards receiving and three touchdowns yesterday. So they're definitely legit. But I think this was a preview of the NFC Championship. And I think the Buccaneers are going to walk away, learn a lot from this game. Look for them to maybe sign Richard Sherman. He'll probably be in, the, be in there soon. Hell, they may even give, uh, what's my guy name? Earl Thomas a call. I, I really think they seen on the back end, they're going to need some help moving forward. They, they're not going to be able to beat this team with what they got on the back end. Jordy Nelson, 2.0, Cooper Cup was out there. Absolutely. Just, just making them look crazy. Robert Woods still doing his thing. And then D-Jax, it's just like so much it's going too on. too much. So, <laughs> yeah, they, Jefferson was cooking too last this week, man. And they get better. They're already missing a the guy, their, their top corner. But Vander kind of alluded to the fact that they may be getting on the phone right now with a couple of vets that's out there that may be chasing a ring. But do you think that their running back situation in their secondary is going to be fixable? Is that is that a legit concern or is that something that people just quit worrying about? I was say on the offense it's not legit because you got to kind of look at it arians has always been a vertical team like he doesn't really prioritize the running game and he makes the short passes into something similar to what a run game would be um, so I don't expect it to change. Do they need more of a running game? Definitely. As far as their secondary, God, Lee, like it's like you 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 bring back all your starters, but you forgot you need to improve <laughs> the secondary. Like this is just dismal because yeah, you guys got a great front seven. You guys can take care of the third. You know, what I mean, guard the middle of the field. But without a secondary, we already seen you know Rams put everybody on notice what to do pretty much to the Buccaneers. Like stop playing their game. Don't run. Don't run. At them and just 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 bomb it on them. It, that's all you got to do. It seems with this defense, so that it's it's horrible. Ugh, quit. <laughs> so we have Green Bay that ended up beating San Fran on just some foolishness, but that game ended up being thirty to twenty eight. So my question is on this game: the Adams head injury. If we if we recall some of the lengthiest times that Adams hasn't been able to play had to do with concussions. He took a solid hit to the head. And I don't even know how he got back in the game that quickly. I'm not sure if protocol was properly followed or what, but he took a hit to the head that, you know, for someone who has dealt with concussion issues in the past, could maybe put him in a precarious situation. Um, Do you think that that is a legit concern or the fact that he came back in the game finish the game etc that's something that you shouldn't even worry about so you can just even quit thinking about it i mean is, is it legit or something that you should quit well actually he didn't get hit in the head he got hit in the chest and it happened so quick it looked like i thought i initially thought he got hit under the chin so it did like he got hit in the head initially but once they slow it down you can see he get he got hit in the chest Oh, okay. And the guy had the wind knocked out of him is what it was. Gotcha. But okay. The, but the way the cameras, when he laid out there, you thought he was knocked out. Right. Exactly. He had that. If you ever played ball and you got the wind knocked out of the guys, y'all know how that thing feel. And he was out there like, but the look on his face, it happened so quick. People, you know, naturally concussion. You already think because it happened so quick, like he got concussion. But they slowed it down. He got hit square in the chest, man. He just had to win. So that's why he was able to come back on the field so quickly without doing the whole testing thing with the concussion and all that. So And what the hell was San Francisco thinking, giving Aaron Rodgers that much time? 
I don't understand. Like, Barry, you played football. I mean, I'm going to tell you two things real quick before you say anything. The 49ers miss Soleil and Soleil miss San Francisco. I agree. That, I agree. There's nothing else to be said. Like, <laughs> I agree. I mean, but but like just fundamental thing. When you have that little time left, why the hell are you hopping up off of Adam so quickly? I would have laid on Adam until the referee pulled me off, knowing that that clock is ticking. Right. How, how 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 you back in your position, ready for the next play before the offense? That right. made zero sense to me. Horrible on defense. top of that, how everybody in the stadium, everybody watching TV, everybody knew who the damn ball was going to. How do you not have two, three guys on Adams? You got to beat me with somebody else. He passed the ball to Adams twice to get them in the field goal the range. The crazy thing about it, he didn't. He only looked one way if you watch the game. That's what I'm saying. He wasn't surveying the field anything. You had to like, know where the ball was going. <laughs> he was like, huh, where you at, Devontae? <laughs> and, uh, it was bad. It was definitely bad. Even even in the fourth quarter and second half of that game, you know, Josh Norman went out. They, they was playing man-to-man, and he had a rookie cornerback in front of this guy. And I'm like, Rookie cornerback in front of Devontae Adams. And the crazy thing about it, the rookie came up and he tried to actually put hands on the man. I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, he, he tried to press Devontae Adams. I'm like, dude. And, and Devontae just like, excuse me, and just went around him so quickly and so smoothly. I'm like, But you know what, though? You're 100% right because that goes right back to what you just said, coaching. Correct. That's I don't see how you let that go. I mean that that's that was made. I mean they literally gave they gave up the game three times when they let him catch both of them passes. Right. And by not I, I mean hell at least kick the ball. I mean do something to make the referee have to. I mean and, and the other thing that happened and, and people don't really give Devontae Adams credit for this. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but instead of giving the ball to the referee. Devontae Adams put the ball right where the referee would have had to have spotted the ball. That's two seconds that would have ticked off the clock. Remember now, there was only three seconds left. Right. That's two, three seconds that would have ticked off the clock if the referee simply had to spot the ball versus it already being there. We're talking about some veterans who show their that, that football IQ. Right. versus some people that just didn't seem to have situational awareness of what was going on in the game. And it literally cost San Francisco the game. Agreed. Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon's <sighs> performance. He ended up scoring a touchdown. Um, he was the uh, running back that got the most run uh, for San Fran. Is this just a Mitchell's hurt sort of a thing? Or now that he's no longer in the doghouse, do we think that Trey Sermon may actually take over the role that we thought he would have had off top? Is it a a, a legit thing now that this may be his job or is it likely to quit? Well, I watched this game last night and the play calling didn't really fit Sermon in the first half. Shanahan was up to his old tricks again, running trick play after trick play after trick play. So Sermon didn't really get the opportunity, I think, to really get a chance to really run the ball effectively. If this week, if Mitch was out an additional week, I think they have Seattle next week. He may get opportunity to actually just see what he really got. So I don't really think they got a chance to really see what he got because Shanahan was running Debo and then running Kittle and he was just running uh, Juice. He was just all over the place last night with the play calling. So I didn't really think they got a legit chance to get a good look at Sermon, me personally. I would say it's a quit for me. I like Sermon. I think he's a year two player for me that I'll, I'll probably be high on year two. But just this, just like you know how this zone uh, offense goes and. and 
how it looks. You know, it benefited from the most starts, you know, the Tevin Coleman's, the, the more faster backs, the Jeff Wilson's of the world. Elijah Mitchell, you know, who will soon be returning back from his injury. I think he has upside, definitely, but I don't think year one we're going to see the productivity that we want and that we, we, we thought to when he came out of college. We have the Chicago versus Cleveland game. Cleveland ended up winning that game 26-6. to six. I have one question about this game because I don't think that in all honesty, there's very much you can learn from Cleveland side of the ball. By all means, if you guys see something on that side of the ball, feel free to comment. My one question about this game, Justin Fields' performance. Is he legit that bad? And we should have been listening to Nagy when he said that he ain't ready and I ain't putting him out there. Or is this likely to quit? And the reason that is so concerning to me is because you had a whole lot of time to put together a game plan for this style of a quarterback. And it doesn't, it seems like you gave him Andy Dalton's game plan and said, hey, you do what Andy would have normally done versus creating a game plan that is akin to what would best fit his skill set. They, they rarely move the pocket. The guy can run. You know, your offensive line isn't that great. Move the pocket. Let him roll out. This coaching staff seems ill-prepared. They seem as if they're doing the same thing with Justin Fields that they did with Trubisky. We saw what Trubisky was able to do with the Bills. Obviously, limited volume, but maybe Trubisky wasn't actually the problem. I mean, this coaching staff is truly on the hot seat. If they don't get their act together by the end of the year, I don't see the head coach or the offensive coordinator being there. And for my money, if I'm Chicago, I'm letting Nagy go. And guess where I'm going? I'm knocking on Baltimore's offensive coordinators. Greg Roman. Yes, sir. Because you know who for damn sure can put together a game plan for Mr. Justin Fields? Greg Roman. He did it for Cap. He's doing it for Lamar. If you have a – Greg Roman is the type of head coach that new age football teams need because most new age football teams has a dual threat quarterback. And that's the guy that can put together the game plan. And if I'm him, I'm not leaving um, Baltimore unless it's for a head coaching job. And that would be an awesome spot for him to showcase his skill set. But again, is how poorly Justin Fields played legit or is it likely to quit if he has a little bit more time? Is legit. This guy to me, Nagy was is garbage to me. Like I said, with Foles, we knew like when Trubisky came, like damn, this is the whole offense that y'all should have been running the whole entire time. Y'all should have been using Trubisky like this, like you said, as opposed to making him a Foles. Just like you said, it's the same thing with what's going on now with Fields. I feel like they should have simplified the game plan. They should have did a lot of bunch concepts, things to kind of get this kid comfortable and acclimated to everything. Because it was they were trying to do so much. This guy isn't there yet, you know. Like I. I said, like, like Nagy and them, like, they just a waste of time. Zach Taylor, they all need to be gone. And somebody like Eric B. from the Chiefs need to come over there. Uh, yep, he'd be another great one. I agree. He'd definitely be another great option. Yeah, I, I don't think you can judge uh, yesterday's performance and, and, and draw a conclusion about how good Justin Fields is. I mean, the dude got sacked nine times. So he was pretty much, like, running for his life the whole game. <laughs> they played the Cleveland Browns, correct? Yep. yep. They had Miles Garrett. Who Absolutely. Had four and a half sacks. And they had Clowney coming from the other side. You know what I mean? So, like you said, the game plan wasn't 
fit for his skill set. So I, I definitely buy what you're saying as far as getting the right guy in there for this for this vehicle. You know what I mean? That he is. We had Kansas City going up against the Chargers. The Chargers beat Kansas City 30 to 24. Believe it or not, this is the first time that Patrick Mahomes has been under 500 as a starter. Is Kansas City falling back to the pack? Is that legit? Or is this a blip on the radar? Now they have Josh Gordon coming in. Um, they, they don't really have too many significant injuries or anything of that nature. So do you think that people are just kind of catching up to what they're doing or this is just a blip on the radar? So is it legit or is it going to quit? People are definitely catching up to them. Everybody's running back that Super Bowl footage, man. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers really showed a lot. Gave them a game plan. In that game. You know, of, of course, they had the front where they could do a lot and, you know, get the pressure of their line and all that. But the way they was covering Tyreek Hill and, and Kelsey in that game, I think a lot of people took that blueprint and now they're putting it on paper. But not only that, they've been turning the ball over a good bit. CEH is back to the fumbles again. Yeah. So that, that yeah. really cost him, you know, some possessions. That's going to cost so. him his job. I mean, he, he cannot right. fumble, but a couple more times before it's it's just, look, we're we glad to have you, but we can't win with you. That that's that's that can legit be something that costs him his job. You can't fumble as much as he is as a running back. You just can't. A little bit of both, though, for sure. From the other side of the ball. The Los Angeles Chargers, um, maybe we're sleeping on them this year. I know they're finally healthy. They've always had injuries on defense that, that kind of gets them in a precarious situation, especially when you have a Kansas City in your division that you really, truly need that secondary to kind of hold serve when you're going against them. But maybe the Chargers are actually coming to the forefront of the division. They have a quarterback that is every bit as good as any of these young guys that are out here right now. They have a defense that is on the rise. Keenan Allen is who we, who we thought he was. Mike Williams is who we thought he was. And Jalen Guyton, he's trusted by Justin Herbert at this point. Um, he actually got the target and the touchdown um, late in the game that put them above Kansas City. So are we sleeping on the Chargers? Are they legit or are they likely to quit? I mean, the Chargers are definitely legit. I'm not. I'm trying to figure out who was sleeping on the Chargers. I was, I was thinking coming into this year that the Chargers was a team to watch. Me personally. What you think, Joe? Man, I'm excited for the Chargers. They're super legit. Um, I think injuries really tell the tale of what would have been. Because if you look at it, even a few years ago, they lost two of their, their, their top linemen. Um, they had, was devastated with injuries, losing Derwin uh, James and a few other guys. And, oh, I see Murray as well, too, that just came back strong this year. Look, Murray's playing phenomenal football. And Bosa then, was injured on in some of their better years, too. So, But then look how they, they redeemed themselves, man. They go out and get a great center, a great tackle. They make all the upgrades on defense, and they get Asante Samuel Jr. And Derwin James is great extremely healthy. Uh, and Murray is like, shoot, man. He reminds me a lot like Devin White, how he has that command over the offense. And then Bosa's healthy, uh, of course. I love their offense. I think they can go in. Well, obviously, they just got out the shootout with Kansas City. And I think that should put the league on notice. And, and to you point you know the Chiefs is is not is not the top team anymore Tyreek's been held to under less than 60 yards in two games back to back it's like people have the book on Tyreek now like if if you if you put a a, a capable cornerback underneath him and put the safety over top of him so you don't so the corner doesn't have to worry about you know well if 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 I press or if I cheat up I'm beat right when 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 the corner doesn't have to worry about that 
and they know mm-hmm. if they get beat, there's someone over top. They're, they're able to play much more aggressively. And I think the blueprint has now been made that that's the way that you take Hill out of the game. And if you take Hill out of the game, you're taking a big part of their offense away and they can't right. quite function the way they used to. Right. Teams are living with Kelsey beating them, as you can see. Exactly. They're, they're right, letting right. them get it underneath and all that good jazz, but they're just not letting that guy get wild over the top. You got the Giants that went up against ATL. <laughs> My man Joe brought something to my attention uh, because I was just going to trash Jones. He didn't have a horrible game, but he didn't have the type of game that I felt he should have had against Atlanta. But I I found out from Joe that Shepard and Slayton, the normal uh, go-to wide receivers for Daniel Jones, they were both out. And the wide receiver that is getting paid the most, but is least on the same page with the quarterback, Kenny Galladay, (laughs) only got five targets, even though the two other starting wide receivers were out of the game. So I don't know if that tells you everything you need to know about Kenny Galladay or what. This was surprising to me, especially when I found out that those two weren't in the game due to hamstring issues. So is this just is Jones and Saquon or bust this year for the Giants? Or do we believe that the that they can kind of get back to what they were doing prior when those two wide receivers come back? And then secondarily, what the hell is going on with Kenny Galladay? Kenny Galladay just not that guy. I mean, I know he got paid well. He got paid like one of the top receivers in the league, but I think it was just where he was at. He was just able to you know, have that one good season. I don't really think he's legit like that. And the only thing they're about to get back to is they're going to get back to teams stacking back up in that box and taking Barkley out of the equation that like they've been doing in years past. I mean, so you may start to see a little slide from the Giants, man, moving forward if those guys can't come back, if you can't get Shepard back, if you can't get Slayton back. If it's just Galladay and Barkley and, Bar- and, and Galladay's not no speedster, you're going to start seeing everybody up front just licking the chops. I'll first, I want to first go to Galladay. I think Galladay is a great player, actually. Daniel Jones seemed to key in so much on Slayton and Shepard because of um, having the tenure with them. That Obviously, the injury, like, you know, losing him with, through OTAs and part of training camp with Galladay definitely messed up their rapport. But Daniel Jones isn't that great of a quarterback out of all of it. Um, that's what I would take from it. I've seen even watching the Redskins and Giants game he definitely got open he got busy on him but then it's just like overthrow it's oh it's a little bit behind it's not you know the ball placement was so horrible that that's what it was as far as saquon I, and I, I thought so much on i'm glad you know i gotta take this on the chin to learn more about it but saquon is so much like how he was with college where he's like a big player bust that yes the giants line is bad but also too he's also not taking what's in front of him and he still hasn't learned just fall forward for those three yards. Take the four-yard game. Go with the blocking assignment on the play. And yes, you might be getting healthier, but I just think he's still not changing, his, adapting his style to today's game. And while you have a quarterback that's not learning the playbook and not grasping the NFL uh, to an elite opacity, you got to bring to the table something. Did you guys have any other teams or any other players that you wanted to speak on as far as this past weekend was concerned? Yeah, I had. Of course, we're 
going to go about waivers as usual. We already know who to target aside from that. But Hunter Renfro, for one, definitely stood out uh, to me. And me and Van was talking about him yesterday, like off air. But then when you look at it, this guy is averaging five receptions a game and 60 yards per game. And that's just his floor. And anytime you can do that and he's a low end wide receiver for with just those numbers alone, it's tremendous uh, upside. And he's only playing 50% of the snaps and doing that. That's big as far as volume concerned because let it be an injury to Ruggs or let Darren Waller have to miss any amount of time with his um his play, his big playability and, and these numbers he's putting up right now as a wide receiver four with just 50% snaps. That's huge. Then the pivot, because we did mention the Dan Arnold trade, that Tommy Trumbull, again, I'm not saying to go out and get him, but if you run into a situation where your team, uh, you might want to trade a tight end, you might have to move away from a tight end because you want to improve another play. I love the the snaps and how he was utilized. He was in 19 snaps, so he played 26% of the snaps, but he had one catch for 30 yards and a one yard, uh, a one rush for seven yards and a touchdown. So he seems to be like, you know, Ian Thomas is still going to be utilized how he was, but I think they're sprinkling a little bit of something of that versatility when it comes to utilizing Trumbull. And I think in a Joe Brady offense where you got to, you know, touch every blade of grass, that bodes well for him. He only had 19 snaps and he managed 37 yards in the tutty. So that's that's really good. Then Demarius, uh, Demetrius Felton, though he didn't have a great statistical number he's not like still follow your same waiver priority but i did like how they utilized him like this guy he played you know they did the end arounds with him he came across you know almost like a sweep they they're using him in a lot of different ways and this is a guy who is touted to be like a really great receiver great hands great speed I think he's going to be heavily utilized in this offense. You just have to wait and see with him. So it's another one of those situations. If you want to move over from move away from a receiver, you can have this guy in confidence on the back end. And then uh, lastly, I would probably touch on Pat Firemuth. He's legit. I like, like he's already been taking him and Ebron has almost been 50-50, but he's getting predominantly more passes than Ebron. So within the last three games, he's got, you know, at least 48% of the snaps. And when have we heard Ebron all season? And he was heavily targeted in the game with Cleveland. So again, that's another play. If you have to like kind of move pivot from a play, you know, you got to go, you know, you want to give up a tight end to acquire another position. Pat Fryman definitely is going to have great value right there. And then just to throw one last one out, I'm going to just give him the acronym MWI. He's from Tennessee. Kid was balling. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he was one of the guys that caught a touchdown and I was like, where the hell is Julio and AJ? Who is this dude? He had four targets. He caught all four of his targets, had 54 yards in that touchdown. And he's a bigger guy. He's 6'3", 216. And Corey Davis, like, you know, I'm not saying, you know, like hit, like one thing that always stood out about him and why he made the 53 man roster is that he's one of those high contested guys that can get those catches in the end zone, two feet down, very strong at the point of attack with the ball. I think with AJ, with AJ, because of his knee injury, he might miss two more games. Again, this is a guy, if at least if you know you don't have a lot of receivers, you need a quick play, a last-minute flex. NWI definitely will be my fifth guy. I love it. I love it. And that pretty much wraps up this show for us today. A little bit of business to take care of right quick. If you're trying to find us uh, via email, have any questions or concerns, feel free to hit us up. Fantasy Football Fiend, that's Fantasy Football F-E-I-N 
at gmail.com on twitter we're at fantasy underscore fiend on instagram fantasy football fiend and on facebook the fantasy football fiend family facebook group vander give me info you can reach me on twitter and also ig young vander that's the word young v-a-n-d-e-r and uh feel free to have any fancy questions i'll answer back immediately and that wraps up another show again it's our job to give you the advice it's your job to take it and we out